The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. (laughs) We are less than three weeks away from the trade deadline. Um... By the time we get back together, I expect to see no less than five trades. Write that down. It I'm will happen. writing, actually. No uh, but we did see five. what might be the first of two tra- of two categories of trades today uh, this week. Mostly, I've seen. Mostly, it's been a lot of speculation. There has been one deal. We'll get into that. It's not a very. Uh, it's not a huge deal. But it's it's an important someone has to break the ice. I don't know if I call this ice breaking or just kind of chiseling off a a, a very small corner. Well, someone has to make sure that the fax machine uh, in the basement of NHL headquarters is still has ink. <laughs> it's going to be a t- again, and I said it last week or the week before. It's going to be. Tough dealings this time around, only because dealing with the North isn't going to take place, obviously, because if you do, you have, you're going to have to wait whatever it is, 10 or 14 days for them to clear uh, quarantining and whatnot. So nobody's going to want to make a deal and then have to wait to get the player they've acquired. Um, so any deals with the North are probably going to involve more picks prospects than anything else if there are deals between the north the, and the other three divisions the north and the other yes uh i just don't see it happening it could happen it, it's I, i'm not gonna say it and never you know never say never type of thing but i just don't see it being a first choice for any of the organizations in the lower 48 I get that. I don't necessarily, I don't, I don't disagree. Uh, but up North, who's really in a position to trade anything substantial that's going to, uh, and not necessarily be, have someone in the, someone else in the North do the heaviest bidding. Cause if you look at that division right now in the, uh, Scotia North, the Scotia North, yes. The Scotia North. Only Ottawa is out of it, which shocks no one. <laughs> I mean, no one. However, uh, they Montreal are not the worst is, team in hockey. <laughs> Montreal is sitting, I don't know about that. Um, Anaheim has a worse points percentage. Buffalo's points percentage almost doesn't exist. Um and Detroit's is only is only very slightly better, uh, with a only slightly better goal differential. The odd t- the odd thing with Detroit is their wins all seem to come against the tough opponents. People play down to them. It's that simple. Boston's a team eminently capable of playing down to its opponents. So gee, that's kind of terrifying when they get around playing long. Buffalo. Sorry. Boston's been doing that all season long, playing down to their opponent. They seem to struggle against teams they should be pummeling. Yes, but I mean Edmonton and Toronto both have uh, cap issues all by themselves. So any trades they make are going to be 
salary dumps. But they aren't Montreal. dumping the but they aren't dumping the salaries that are going to actually give them space. No, they're they're not going to. There there's no way that anyone making more than seven million gets traded off of either of those teams this year. Agreed. Both teams, for various reasons, see this division as theirs to win. Um, I mean, Toronto sees it as theirs to win because they won't have to play face Boston. <laughs> And Edmonton sees it because if you look at the top four teams in the division right now, only one has a viable defense. I mean, Toronto right now has allowed the least goals, but I, I still can't I still can't buy their team defense as something that will stand up in the playoffs. Is it a, is it at all striking that Edmonton is the only team in the NHL that doesn't have an overtime loss? Um, <clears throat> Edmonton or who Toronto or Edmonton? I'm sorry. Edmonton has Edmonton is 21, 13 and zero. They have no overtime losses. That is fascinating. Oh yeah. I, I hadn't just, noticed. Um, the only zero on the board. It's just like, wow. I mean, Pittsburgh only has one. Nashville only has teams one. Only have one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a few. I I didn't even notice the other. Yeah, but Edmonton has zero. Minnesota. Um, I think wow. it's probably. I don't really. I don't think it's purely statistical noise, but the haves and the have-nots in that division are pretty clear. I don't know. I we expected Vancouver. I mean, Edmonton's Edmonton's wins. They they've only they haven't been to overtime that much. They've been to – they have 21 total wins. 20 of them in, were in regulation. So almost all of their 13 losses were regulation losses. They're either winning or losing. There's not really uh, – winning, winning or losing in regulation, there's not a lot of overtimes, period, which could hurt them if the, once the playoffs start because – we don't know what their 70 minutes, 70 as a minute is going to look like at this point. I didn't. Uh, the, the thing is, I didn't. And, and you did. I'll give you credit for it. You had Edmonton in the north. I did not have Edmonton in the north. Uh, but we both had. We, I mean, I had Vancouver. You had Vancouver slash Montreal. So you kind of sat on the fence line there. But I mean, the the, the point being that. Vancouver being in fifth is kind of, uh, I mean, I actually had Calgary, so did you, and they're in sixth. Hello. I mean, the teams that could make deals don't really have much to deal, except Ottawa has a lot of youth to deal. Which I don't think they they shouldn't. Absolutely should not. I don't. They're not in a play, They're not in a position that they're going to get. If they were in fifth and could possibly get into a fourth and final playoff position. Maybe think about it, but being where they are, no, it's just not, I wouldn't even bother. And I would only make light trades and I wouldn't, and there's, they've got to have at least three or four untouchables right now. I mean, Shabbat is Shabbat, Kachuk. They've got some youth up there. Stutzla. Obviously. I mean, yeah. And I would probably 
Uh, I would definitely those three. And then it gets a little bit harder to parse because you've got, you've got guys who are probably going to be contributing near that level fairly soon. And you've got some guys who are just a bunch of fun to watch. I mean, Connor Brown, when he's playing a good game is really playing a good game. Yep. I, I, mean, um, I like that team. I, I do wish I do wish they had hung on to Anthony DeClaire, unless, of course, the Bruins were going to get him. Yeah. And for that matter, they've got like Joshua Norris and Drake uh, Batherson. Jake Batherson, who looks really good. Yeah, they got uh, tons of uh, – yeah. That's Dori, Pia Dorian just needs to stand pat at this point <laughs> unless he's going to somehow acquire – more picks or more prospects, but beyond that, yeah, don't go bringing in any wild, crazy uh, veteran salaries just for the sake of making a deal. Don't do it. If they could bring in Matt Dumba without getting rid of any of the untouchables, I would be a hundred percent in favor of that. Because okay. then you'd then you'd have Shabbat and Dumba as your one and two in whichever order on the left side. And you've got Zaitsev there. Uh, you've got Good Branson there. Um, and there's a lot more right defensemen on the market than there are left. But that's the type of trade that they would need to make. Um, uh, yeah. Their goaltending is still uh, to be determined, at least well, in my book. Bringing in Matt Murray, I, un, I don't know. I, I didn't like it, but especially not the money they gave him. I'm obviously not high on Matt Murray, never have been, but is I haven't been high on Pittsburgh goaltending since ever flurry. And even ever. then when they had him, I didn't. Yeah, ever. Okay. Ever is good. No, Tommy Barrasso. <laughs> uh, Where do we just, want to go uh, uh, next can, show? Oh, can we please just talk about the Pagulas are at it again? If you insist, I mean, I I wouldn't have even thought to bring this up. I mean, it's so rare that they go out and, you know, fire a player or anything like that. Or fire oh, a coach or, uh, or general manager. I mean, they've, they've owned the team like 10 times, and this must be their first firing. They've owned the team for 10 years. They acquired them back in 2011. Uh, this would be their <clears throat> they have now gone through six coaches in 10 years because that's absolutely normal uh, yes normal on Wednesday the Buffalo Sabres and the, uh, or the Pagulas decided that after losing 12 games in a row it was time to replace the coach um, I found an article on NHL Network that says that Taylor Hall was left feeling sadness and some guilt. He signed the deal largely because of his strong relationship with Kruger. Well, if you cared for the guy that much, why weren't you produce? Why weren't you performing? <laughs> Can't perform when literally the rest of the team doesn't have their sticks on the ice most of the time uh-huh. and acts like the puck is a grenade that's going to go off as soon as they touch it. So, as I've been saying all along, the issue in Buffalo is not 
with the coaching, however, it is with the players. Uh, which I, means it's a general manager issue. Exactly. GM scouting, many. GM scouting, whatever. But this is not a problem. Are some of the women? Are some of the players underperforming? Yes, absolutely. But that team is that team, that team is, is not a team. It's a collection of talent. Yes, you have Eichel, great. You have Jeff Skinner, who in the past could be a really good goal scorer. You have Taylor Hall. You have defense. You have Ristolainen. You have Rasmus Dahlin. You have. It's a collection of talent. It's not a team, and it's up to yes, the coach can have some impact on that, but the scouting and GM and front off and whoever, they need to be identifying players that can work together and can succeed together. And can do it in a fairly quiet, but passionate hockey market. Buffalo is never going to get the press deluge that Toronto or the Rangers or the Islanders get. But it's still one of those hockey markets that the fans above el- above everything expect really good effort. It's, it's well, still considering the way down. they treat considering the way they've treated Ristolainen in the past, even though he was the only defenseman they had, and to turn on him. That doesn't mean that all of the just because those were the loudest fans doesn't mean it was all the fans. No, but it just shows a little bit of how passionate they are that they can get mad at the one defenseman that they've had in the past, I don't know, Decade. eight years that really seems to be giving his all. And, Oh, because he's a negative, well, he's a negative because the, the rest of the team sucks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're going to throw him out there 27 minutes a night. It's a good chance that there are going to be goals scored while he's on the ice. <laughs> and if the team's not scoring any on their own, then yes, he's going to be a negative. But oh, he's a negative. He's a terrible player. You can't, you, dude, he's your only defenseman that is of any worth. value. Yeah. And if they want to really move him, well, I'm sure I can make room on the blue line here in Boston. There's at least 15 other teams, probably 20, who would make room for him, without exaggeration. If you're really that desperate to get rid of him, I'll make some space. I'll figure it out. I'll figure a way. But, but yeah, the Pagula's at it again, and uh, Granado was uh, Don Granado was hired as the interim head coach up there and his first game behind the bench granted he didn't have a whole lot of time behind the bench um was a four to one loss to the boston bruins they did also fire assistant coach steve smith uh dan girardi the development coach dan girardi and matt ellis the development coaches have stayed on as assistants on the bench with granado it's just a it it wash rinse repeat up there. They you know they get a coach they, they don't get, get some, it. They the just definition don't get it. the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. 
if changing coaches out six times, seven times in 10 years is not working, that's not the problem. It must be the problem. They're billionaires. Oh, okay. I get it. Yeah, sure. I mean, Ocposo scored his first goal of the season against the Bruins. In that game on when on, on on Thursday night, his first of the season. Now, I'm not sure what that says for the Bruins, but uh, Ocposo is somebody who they're expecting to perform, and he scored his first goal of the season. Thirty games, forty games in, or whatever it is, thirty games in. Yeah. Taylor Hall has 16 points in 28 games. Eichel is on the shelf, and for the foreseeable future, they don't, they aren't saying somebody has to know what's wrong, but they aren't saying it's just dreaded uh, LBI, UBI, whatever it is. You're you're going to be expected to make deals at the deadline. Are you going to be sellers? What do you have to sell? Every everybody's underperforming. You're not going to get the return that you could possibly get. You you like to talk about Jeff Skinner, and you're higher on him than I am. But he's so underperforming that you're not going to get the return, especially with the contract that he has. I don't yes. even know if you're going to be able to move him. That's that's a very good question. Um, we did the we ran the poll a week ago, two weeks ago, and there's still a lot of people out there who who have some drive to acquire him. I'm not disagreeing. Um, you don't just forget how to score goals. No. The problem is that he's not performing, and what's it going to take to get him amped up? What? What team is going to have the necessary people to surround him to get him back at a level he was at a couple of years ago when he poured in 40? Going to a even go even getting back to 30 is is enough to make him worth having on your team. Um, Maybe not quite at the salary he's at. But I mean, realistically, there are there's only three teams who could absorb his salary without having to make serious serious moves. I don't know that he'd necessarily want to go to any of them, but the Devils have eight point six free. The the Senators have over nine free, and the Kings have over nine free. I don't know that Skinner wants to be in any of those three places as they rebuild, but if Skinner is playing like the all-star, um, then we're, then we're talking, we're talking any of those three teams moving up the standings, uh, at least one or two spots. Okay. Does that automatically make them a contender? No. Um, are they still going to win more than Buffalo? Yes. (laughs) Are there, good high school teams that could beat Buffalo at this point? You know, they're yeah. probably high school. Maybe not college teams. Yes. There, uh, there are college teams. I would put on the ice against the Sabres and expect them to win uh, a five game series. 
can UMass Lowell beat them? <laughs> hey, UMass Lowell beat uh, Boston College. A seven seed beating a one seed. That was pretty good in the Hockey East. And now it's an all UMass final. As it should be. UMass Lowell against UMass. Although they insist on calling it UMass Amherst on Nesson, so. Well, there's UMass Dartmouth, there's UMass Boston, there's... Yeah, but they don't call UMass Amherst UMass Amherst. They just call it UMass. It depends on who you're talking to. The only people who only call it UMass people, UMass are people who went there. Oh, okay. But, I mean, Buffalo has six wins. Six. It's... (laughs) It's the end of March, and they have six wins. Mm-hmm. Literally anywhere else is going to be more exciting than staying there. If the cap situation can be made to work, or you know, just plain cheated on, like uh, like Tampa, uh, I mean circumvented, circumvented. We can't call it cheating because that would be wrong. Um, okay. If the cap situation can be made to work. You know what? I I could even see him. Not that I can see him being traded there uh, at this moment. Uh, but if 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 they uh, they could get Buffalo to eat a certain percentage of the salary. Yes. He might have. He might be a really good fit in uh, in Columbus. Interesting. Because you've got Line A. Yeah, they 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 don't like to talk about Line A up in. You've Columbus. got Dumba. You've got uh, you've got Wierenski. With those guys who are able to get the puck around the ice and move up and down ice at a Skinner-like pace. Uh, if you could, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe part of the trade is Line A going back. <laughs> uh huh. There you go. But even assuming it's not, say you trade, say Do, uh, say Max Domi goes back to, uh, to Buffalo. He's fairly young. Uh, he had. He had a 28 goal season in Montreal, so maybe, maybe Columbus just isn't for him. Although that 28 goals is hands down and far away his best NHL performance. I don't want to call it a career year for some guy who's only been in the league like five full seasons, but it kind of looks like a career year. Um, maybe, maybe it's Domi and. 25%, 30% of the salary re- salary retained. Wow. That's, okay. That gives you, I mean, that gives you a pretty interesting set of forwards. I mean, Cam Atkinson, Nick Foligno, uh, Jeff Skinner, Patrick Laine, Jeff Booner, uh, Riley Nash, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Jack Roslevic. Uh, there are definitely worse forward groups out there. And when you have Jones, Wierenski, Savard, who can absolutely put the puck on your stick through traffic uh, at any given moment. 
you've got something good going on. Okay. And their goaltending is not horrible, which I'm pretty sure you're aware of. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I kind of like the goaltending there. Yeah. I'm just I'm just baffled by if the Pagulas are that good at business, they're clearly not that good at <laughs> running the hockey organization. <laughs> yeah, no, they need to hand the entire process over aside from budget to somebody who knows hockey yeah. and will tell them. Shut up and let me make you money. And maybe that's the key right there. They need somebody who's going to stand up to them because I don't know if Botterill did or could. I don't know if Kevin Adams did or could or does or could. But they need somebody who's going to be able to stand up and say, look, I'm running this organization. I realize that you guys provide the cash, but. This is what we need to do to make this team better. This is what we need to do to start improving. And until they get somebody other than a yes man, and I can't say whether one or both or all the GMs that they've had, I don't know that they are. I'm not going to sit there and say that they are. But it would seem to me that they need somebody who's going to take a stand and actually put the organization first and do something to slowly improve that team because it's not going to happen overnight. They need, they need someone, they need a hockey person, whether it's simply a president who can hire the right people or president GM combo who says, look, I need this amount of time to show you this much improvement. Call me when it happens or doesn't happen on that deadline. And, and I, I will go make you money now. Because whatever it is that they think they're doing, it's not working, and they just need to stop. Just stop. No, I'm, I don't even live in Buffalo. I'm not a Buffalo fan. I'm simply a hockey fan, and what they're doing just plain sucks. And just to tie a tidy little bow on it, Granado also said he's not thinking whether he'll eventually be fired as Sabres coach after this season because his job is now to be in the moment of helping the team improve. I wish this man luck. Quote, uh, his last quote is, the coaching world, our job, it's almost like your reputation is on the scoreboard every night. You can't think too far. To me, I love the challenge of trying to come in here and make improvements and get things to a more comfortable, confident position. I'm fully engaged in that. If I do that and it's satisfactory to the team, the organization, and I'm here, great. But my goal is today. Yeah. You can't think of it any other way because it's like putting together a list of potential candidates for the job. It's like whoever you put on that list, their first thought is going to be, when am I going to get fired? Pretty much. Um, Buffalo did make an, a move, uh, and I think it's going to be the first of many. Um, Jonas, uh, or Jonas Johansson, uh, who they picked up as an undrafted free agent, uh, goaltender, they shipped him off to Colorado for a sixth round pick. And Col- I mean, for Colorado, this move is, uh, basically saying that Pablo Franco's is probably not as far along as they thought he'd be. 
and they're not ready to throw Hunter Mishka into the backup role. Correct. Uh, I mean, from the article on the Hockey Writers uh, website this week, um, they're expecting Johansson and Mishka to battle for the uh, starting job in the AHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know what, competition is good for people. Um, it should work. I think that though, I think though that we're going to see a decent number of goalie moves. Uh, if you look at the UFA list, there's a lot of teams who are going to have a big hole on their roster. <clears throat> a couple of those teams are going to have two holes on their roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buffalo, Carter Hutton, and Linus Elmark are both UFAs. Yeah. One's 35. The other is uh, 27. Mm-hmm. Boston, you have uh, Rask and, and Locke. Ah, question. Do Bo- does Boston deal one one of those guys at, before the deadline? <sighs> Given Rask's save percentage this year, I don't know how you can move him unless someone thinks that they're going to sign him long-term because he's had, he's eight, four, eight and four, uh, two forty-six goals against average, which isn't terrible, but a nine Oh six save percentage at six, seven million a year. That's, that's kind of worrisome. Um, they can probably get as much for Yao Halak, who's two years older, but has a nine twenty one save percentage. That's my boy. A lot less miles on a lot less miles on that tank too, or on that uh, body. Um, and then you look at the, some of the other teams. You know, Frederick Anderson up in Toronto. He's not necessarily having a great year. Um, Eight ninety seven save percentage. No, he's this got year, a, but he's got a winning record because the team the team is outscoring other teams, not because they're. Uh, defensively beating other teams. In fairness to him, I think that in his case, given the fact that you have Connor McDavid eight times in one season and Leon <laughs> yeah, Dreisaitl eight times in one season and Johnny Hockey eight up. times in one season <clears throat> and the Kachuk brothers eight times in one season is probably having somewhat of a negative effect. Um, it shouldn't. He, sh- he still shouldn't be at 897, despite the fact that, fact that their defense is still iffy. Um, but I- I'm more willing to bet on a rebound to the 915 plus land from him than I am Pecorine at this point, who's a UFA. Devin Dubnik uh, is a UFA. Both he and Rene have 899 save percentages this year. Those are <clears throat> double plus on good. I think on, Rene. I think Rene was expecting to not be called upon as much as he has been. I'm granted Yusei Saros got hurt, but I don't think that they. I, I know that John Hines prefers Saros to Rene, based on what he did when he took over the team last year. He suddenly. Renee's starts went through the floor and I think that he was just trying to make a move in preparation for this season and the future. 
but Renee's getting he's on the back nine if not close to the clubhouse uh, I don't know how much more to expect out of him or if he's going to call it a career anytime soon I mean he's what 37 38 yeah Renee is uh, one of the older goaltenders he's 38 I mean, uh, yes. Is everybody is everybody watching Flurry and going? How come he can still do it? But <laughs> you know, Flurry, <clears throat> whatever Flurry does for a fitness routine is clearly working for him. Yes. Uh, and now they've got Leonard back in in Vegas, so it could potentially get even uglier for everybody else in the West. <laughs> I don't. I. I just. There's a lot of goaltenders that are available. A lot of goaltenders that could be. Mo- I don't know how many of them are actually going to be moving though. I, I. I. I don't know if I agree with the. Are people going to be looking for goaltending? Because I think a lot of teams are in similar situations with expiring contracts, and you're going to be acquiring somebody else who's going to have expiring contract. Yeah, I mean the. <clears throat> I'm willing to bet that Renee retires after this season. We don't, we still don't know the status of Henrik Lundqvist. He's anticipating playing next year or was the last time I looked for an update, but that doesn't mean he's going to be ready to go in early October, even middle of October. Yeah. Um, Ryan Miller, he's been the backup very, very quietly in Anaheim for, what, five years at this point? Is it that long? I thought it was only like three, but okay. I mean, he's 40. He's having yeah, a he's very ungood that, season. He's another one. I think that he might have – I think he might be finally – He might have finally fallen off the cliff. Yeah. Although the team is still not good. It, but his numbers are worse than we've ever seen them. I mean, he went from a 907 last year in 23 games to an 877 this year. Uh, at this point, I, I assume that he is going to try and get in nine more games for the season and hang him up with 800 uh, career NHL games. Okay. I which is a huge that. number. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, no disagreement there. And the man, for the bulk of his career, the man has been the franchise whipping boy because. Yeah, I mean, poor guy's not going to win a cup, did win silver at the Olympics. Um, We can discuss whether he gets into the Hall of Fame or not at some other point. Got abused in Buffalo, especially by Milan Lucic. Yeah. I don't care if you have right away or not. If you see a train coming, get out of the way. (laughs) Get out of the way. Yeah, I'm not sure that was the brightest play in in Ryan Miller's uh, arsenal that day. (laughs) Um, Oh, goodness. So what if you're sitting in the uh, GM's office with Boston Bruins right now? What do you do with their goaltending? Uh, both gentlemen have. First of all, Rask has already said that he won't. He doesn't want to play for any other organization. He wants to. He only wants to play for the Bruins. So my guess is that uh, 
if I tried to move him, it's not going to work. They both said that they would be willing to sign on for another sign on for another year. And I mean, the question is, how much longer can you leave the youth on the shelf? Because the argument when they brought Vladar in was that oh, actually Swayman's more ready than Vladar. I, I disagree with that. Vladar's got a year or so over. I think I if we're going to try and win that cup either this year or next year, I think that you give them both one-year deals. You're not giving – but with Rask, he's going to have to wrap his head around not getting $7 million. I'm not giving him a one-year $7 million deal. Where would you go? Is it $3 million? Is it $5 million? Uh, I actually was thinking in the middle. I was actually thinking four. I can't one. see him taking that. Okay, so you come down to five. Even if you get Halak at, at two and three quarters again or three, you're still paying $8 million for two goaltenders that both appear to be still in the upper depths of their capabilities compared to some other goaltending in the NHL that that's not a that's a pretty good uh pretty good deal. Uh I, but you can't sit idly by and let the youth wither on the vine. So at some point they're going to have to move Vladar up and and whether Swayman's ready or not. So maybe you offer only one of the two a, a contract and deal the other one at the deadline. And now, from your comments, does that mean that you would sign Halak and trade Rask? <laughs> yes. And what sort of return are you thinking of getting? Uh, I want – I still want a high draft pick. I don't even know if it's worth trying to restock the the – Uh, if you're dealing him at the deadline, I think we need to get somebody who can play now. So, is there any way we can get Buffalo to give us like a first or a second round pick and risk a line in? Or <laughs> yes, but it it would take way more than just Tuka Rask. And Tuka's not Tuka. Does he not have a no movement deal, or is it? Or I because think that it's the expired. That expired, so we can actually deal him. The problem is, is he going to be willing to show up because of his little? I want to deal him, but I don't know. I don't know what kind of headaches that's going to bring on. Yeah, he has no restrictions on his contract at this point. At this except, point, except for the fact that he doesn't want to play anywhere else, and if you trade him, he's not going to show up. <sighs> Okay, here's an... <clears throat> you're going to trade Halak instead of Rask and, and see what you can get for him? Trade Halak instead of Rask and hope that you can get him back at uh, at free agency? Well, if you trade him, are you going to bother bring? Yeah, you know what? I would still try and get him back. I, I, I really like the guy. Clearly, they play better in front of him, or either that or he just communicates better with the defense, whatever it is. And you can sense his frustration when they're not playing well in front of him. He 
he gets he gets a little frustrated, starts slamming his stick. Um, okay, <clears throat> here's a trade scenario for you. All right, hit me with it. Rask. Yeah. Uh, Wolf. Nick Wolf. And Senishin. Okay. For Jake Muzzin. By himself? Yep. Left You're defenseman trading, <laughs> three more years. Back to Toronto? Wow. Three more years of Jake Muzzin. Left defenseman. Well, we, know how, we know I like Jake Muzzin. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> deal or no deal? There's no way we can slide in a pick or something. Uh, what coming back? Yeah. Along I don't think Jake. you'd get more than <clears throat> a third round pick coming back. If you could get a second coming back, there's no way there's no way that any responsible GM should turn that deal down. Well, um, I mean, Jake Muzzin isn't the world's best offensive defenseman. That's not uh, what they need at this point. Yes, they do. They need someone who can actually assist in getting the flipping puck uh, up up ice and into the net before the before a shift is over. OK, but he'd actually still be better offensively than I think anyone on the Bruins line uh, defense at this point. Really? Right now, he's at half a point per game, uh, which isn't necessarily his highest. Uh, but, I mean, he's hovered around that mark a lot of his career. I guess it's going to depend on the quality of the roster. Um, if you look at the Bruins roster, if we can, or at least their stats, meh. He got two goals and 13 assists. Wow, go Jake. 15 points in 30 games played. Jake, come over. Can we get our hand? If we could get our hands on I mean, he's not. I mean, Charlie McAvoy right now has 17 points in 28 games, which is no. surprisingly high for him. Now you're now you're elevating him to Hall of Fame status. Would you stop? Um, <laughs> Matt Grizzlick has got nine points in in 15 games, which tracks he's the guy we expected to be their best offensive defenseman he's still only got one goal um and then you're then you're down into the rest of the guys the has got five points in 26 games uh clifton's got four points in 21 games uh lozon's got three points in 16 yes but that's that's the whole point they need that help so let's um, I mean, gra- so then let's grab Muzzin. I don't know. I, I, I mean, it, in this year, trading Tuca back to Toronto doesn't necessarily come back to bite us until. Oh wait. Until like the third round. Yeah. I mean, Toronto. It, I almost I'm, without as the rosters stand today. I don't think I can see any team other than Edmonton or Toronto emerging emerging from the uh, Honda North, Scotia North. Sorry. Wow, Jake Muzzin's still averaging like twenty three yeah. minutes a night. That's why I, that's why I asked about him for this marvelous little trade proposal. I'll take him. Let's do it. Good choice. 
Let's do now. it. I want him. Then again, uh, I wanted him when he was with the Kings. So look, both of us have been big fans of Muzzin uh, forever. I thought um, I thought Toronto the, acquiring him was a waste of, of uh, his of, career. Yeah, because Toronto wouldn't know what to do with a real defenseman. Um, on the trade topic, the Athletic published an article. Uh, who says no? NHL executives evaluate your trade proposals for oh, Eichel, a, Mantha, and Dumba. This was a uh, fun read. Craig, uh, Craig Custins, just a couple of hours ago. Okay, we're actually in the middle of the show at this point. Uh, give me your top three trades, whether you love them or hate them. In this article? In this article, give me your top three. Oh, my goodness. I didn't think there were a top three. Um, I can give you the one I liked, mm, the one I thought was most realistic. Uh, and actually, it, it is the one at the bottom that they say is their winner. Um, uh, yeah, that one's almost a gimme, though. I know. But go for it. No, that uh, that was Calgary sends Johnny Gaudreau in a second to the Flyers for Travis Konechny in a fifth. Uh, I think it's the most doable. It's not going to – I don't think it really does anything for Calgary. I'd be surprised that they did it except to clear money. I don't know. I, I don't know Johnny Gaudreau's contract, so um, – I also thought that, yeah, no, see, there aren't any other good ones. Oh, that's okay. Pick a bad one. Pick a bad one. Oh, okay. Hey, let's send Eric Stahl back to the Carolina Hurricanes for a second. Uh, that see, might actually, I didn't think that was all that terrible. I, think I don't, the think, second it's a, is I don't think it's a terrible reach. deal. Yeah, there you go. I think that second is an overpayment. But uh, isn't the trade deadline all about overpayment, though? This is a good point. Just Particularly for Sweeney. teams who think that they can do something. Just ask Don Sweeney. Uh, and then my third favorite, the one that made me laugh, well, it made me laugh a good bit, was the Islanders sending Anthony Beauvillier, Bodie Wild, and a first-round pick to the Preds for Philip Forsberg. <laughs> I laughed at that one, too. Yes. But uh, one of the ones that I think is not just never going to happen um, uh-huh. for the reason that they're undervaluing one of the major players. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> number 11. Oh, Seth I like number 11. This was a good, I left this one. And Emil <laughs> Bernstrom uh, for Jack Eichel. <laughs> I think Seth Jack Jones Eichel is tremendously Benson. talented, but Seth Jones is a playoff proven top tier defenseman Who who's healthier than Jack is. Who should also be higher on Norris Trophy list than he is. Uh, yes. He, and the whole healthier part. That's is, kind of. Yeah, he's unfortunately going to follow. Uh, I will until he puts together two or three solid seasons. Uh, number six. I just know we talked about this a little bit about one of these players a little earlier. Number six. I don't wait, wait. understand who wins this trade, and I don't understand why. <laughs> oh, yes. Like, let's trade an underperformer for somebody who's on the shelf for the next month and a half. 
Jeff Skinner to Nashville for Matt Duchesne. Straight uh, up. Straight up. Uh, the article calls it the 2021 version of Neil for, for Lucic. Eh. <laughs> Just eh. Um, I speaking of Milan Lucic, number seven actually involves him. So yes, but like this deal, I'm higher on Skinner than I am on Duchesne. I think that any place where you're winning more than six games in half of your season, more than half of your season, you're going to play better. Even Nashville, which isn't good. Um, they're just not a good team right now. We can't no. pretend otherwise, not with a straight face. Nope. Um, the Central Division really isn't that tough this year. Yes, now, Florida now, the, is unexpectedly good. The Florida teams are... are the Florida Panthers are literally the best story that no one is talking about in sports right now. True. But you look at the rest of the division. The two of us were... I think I spent more time tr- trying to figure out three and four in this division uh, who the third teams were going to get in. Because uh, I think we had, I think I had Tampa. Well, neither I know one I had of, Dallas on my list, and I think I had Carolina, and I probably had Columbus. Dallas, Col- Tampa Bay, Dallas, Carolina, and Columbus. Very good. Um, yes. It, remarkably enough, neither one of us had the Florida Panthers on our list. Yes, I know. It's shocking. I had Tampa Bay, Dallas, Columbus, and Nashville. Oops. Um, But did any of us really, really, really think that Chicago was going to be better than Nashville this year? No. No? No. (laughs) Did we think that Nashville was going to have a – be closer in points percentage to – the Detroit uh, Dead Wings than they were to a playoff spot? <laughs> no. Nope, nope, nope. I thought they'd actually be fighting for, like, the fourth position. Yeah. So neither neither one of these teams is going to the playoffs this year. Correct. Without a lot of work and a lot of luck, neither team is going to the playoffs next year. So I probably I don't see who this benefits other than making a trade to shake up the roster and get people to pay attention. If that's what you want to do. Great. Well, Call the moving I, companies and get them gone. It's a, it, like you said, it's a Lucic Lucic Neal deal where you're just moving money around because they're both close in money. Yep. They're both underperforming. I mean, are these two GMs who are saying, well, you know, these guys just need a change of scenery? Well, in Duchesne's case, he needs a change of scenery and a little bit more time on the shelf. But I don't know that a change of scenery to Buffalo improves Matt Duchesne at all. <laughs> I don't think it improves Matt Duchesne's outlook at all either. I mean, he wasn't happy in Colorado where. Okay, they were not offensively challenged. They were defensively challenged, but not offensively. But he wasn't happy there. Wanted to be the man. Yep. Uh, They traded him to Columbus, who didn't hang on to him very long. He wasn't the man when he got there. Nope. 
Uh, now he's in Nashville and still not the man. Nope. At some point, he's either going to have to realize that, you know what, he ain't the man, or maybe he needs to just, uh, I don't know, focus on his game and try and improve it a little bit. I, it, the, the offensive talent was there in Colorado. We saw it. Yes, did he have other highly offensive talented people around him? Absolutely. But it's not like he's got chopped liver in Nashville and he was not able to perform. See, I, <clears throat> I, I have to wonder how much the cities, just as a sports region, influence guys like, like Matt Duchesne. Does he feel like he needs to be in the number one market, like a Rangers or an LA or a Boston? Or I mean, how would he do in Montreal? How would Matt Duchesne do in that pressure cooker? I don't think I mean, he'd he's do all that playing. well, to be honest. I don't see him as a. I don't see him as as handling. But he hasn't had to. That that he's I, never I played saying. in a top tier market. He hasn't had to. Yeah. I, I mean, for that matter, Jeff Skinner hasn't either. But he still managed to perform well in both at least one season. Well, he performed really well in Carolina, um, and he he's performed. Reason he performed really well his first year in Buffalo before the injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even even with the tail off of his uh, assists last yeah, year, he was still roughly half a point per game. This year, he's just non-existent. <clears throat> Wonder if he's actually playing. I mean, how many games has Jeff Skinner actually gotten into in Buffalo? Um, he's pl- only played 21. So he was injured last year for a good, decent portion, and he was injured this year uh, at least once. But Matt Duchesne, Colorado has not at any point uh, in Matt Duchesne's career been a top contender. I mean, he's... He's got a he's got a total of 22 playoff games, uh, and he broke into the league in the 09-2010 uh, season. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, he played for the Senators for two years. Wow. Um, wow, did. I didn't realize it was that bad. Jeff Skinner has three points. Yes. The whole wow. team in the whole Sabres team is terrible. They, yeah, no, I knew like, that, but <laughs> watch one of their games. They most of the team literally treats the puck like a grenade. <laughs> like they're skating towards it, but they clearly don't want to. They don't want it. They just flick it away from them and hope that someone else gets to it first. Even if that someone else is on is wearing the other jersey. Okay. I mean, it's scary, yes. Um, but yeah, Matt Duchesne, I think, honestly, I think both of them might be better served by going to a top tier market where they're not the guy. If Matt Duchesne landed in, but in Montreal, would he end up being the guy? I don't know if, uh, our favorite, if our, uh, favorite, uh, Smurf up there could, 
resurrect himself? <laughs> Probably not. But he's he would be the center. Probably. But if Gallagher is playing Brendan Gallagher's game. Yes. Gallagher is a more effective player. No, we all love Brendan Gallagher. Uh, Gallagher actually isn't playing as bad this year as I thought he was. No, uh, he's, he's got, got 19 goals. Yeah. 19 points in 31 games. Uh, 57.5 face-off percentage. I mean, he's a winger, so he doesn't take as many. Uh, 12.5% shooting percentage. 96 shots on net, so he still likes to shoot the puck. I mean, <laughs> maybe you put those two together, and Gallagher is physical enough to remind everyone to that they have better things to focus on than Duchesne. I mean, cap-wise, there's questions of how well it's going to work, but hey, that's what real GMs are for. Yes. As long as Montreal can find some way to keep Nick Suzuki, yes. If they can keep Nick Suzuki, Brendan Gallagher, um, and probably Tyler Toffoli, uh, they would probably end up, well, no, at this point, they probably wouldn't have to give up just get, uh, uh, Kokanemi. No, I'm saying in order to get to Shane, I would, uh, I mean, do you trade them Jonathan Drouin? <laughs> you should probably trade them Jonathan Druin and throw in uh, Ben Sherratt for free. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I but can that's see just that. me. <clears throat> I mean, you can't you can't quite get away with trading Carey Price at this point. Uh, yeah, I don't think. I don't think so that's going to back to those happen. marvelous, interesting trades. I'm kind of stuck on which one to go with for the last uh, well, the last one we'll talk about, because number one is the one that had me just scratching my head as soon as I saw it. <laughs> and number I believe it was number eight. Was it number eight that made me very confused? There was one that made you laugh. Number eight. That was Hall to the Islanders for a first round pick and either Hickey or Komarov. Um, that, no, that one wasn't terrible. I think it, we'll just go with the one that opens the article. Number one. Um, oh, or no, um, wait a minute. It was 13. It was definitely 13. Okay. Jack Eichel to the Minnesota wild. For oh Kevin yeah. Here we go. Matt Dumba wild. One of, uh, one of the wilds first round picks Buffalo gets a decent haul and Eichel gets out of the Eastern conference. And Bill Guerin has already, that, I don't think it's the Eastern Conference that Jack Eichel wants out of. Bill Jack Guerin. Eichel wants out of the basement of the league. Yes. And Bill like, Guerin's already hung up the phone, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, <laughs> I See. Uh, no, Bill's already hung up the phone. I, I don't get. I don't get the notion that Eichel wants out of the Eastern Conference. I think I. I, I, he he he, will, he refuses to say that he wants out of Buffalo, uh, which I think is good, um, because it just hog ties your your man your general manager. Um, but if you offered him, if someone offered him a trade to Boston that didn't gut Boston, 
and was still going to leave him a value, a, a viable team to play with. Mm-hmm. He would pack his whole house himself and push the moving van uh, straight it's back not to like Boston. He's, it's not like he's unfamiliar with Boston. I mean, he went to Boston University. He knows yeah. he knows the town. He knows uh, well, he's, the, he's also a Massachusetts native. Yeah. But like same thing. Same thing with Chicago. If you offered him a trade to to Chicago that was going to get him that was still going to leave a viable team there. So it's not an Eichel for Kane trade. Stop. Stop. All yeah. No. Yeah. Stop. No, no. <laughs> Just stop. <laughs> Full stop. Do not resume. Um, but could you see Kane on his on his uh, right wing? You'd have to trade. You'd have to trade Hall and Skinner and a first round pick. And retain like three million or four million of Skinner's salary. Can it be done? Sure. Can it be? Can it be done in a way that's responsible? Oh, I thought you meant Eichel to Chicago. Oh, Eichel to Chicago. Yes. I don't think so. I, I, Chicago just has too many big cal- uh, too many big contracts. Um, they only yes. have. Well, they have more they have more cap space than I thought. No, they have zero cap space. It's the long term. They have a lot of LTIR money. Because you look at their their cap situation, Kane is twelve point nine percent, and he's currently on the roster. And you have to remember that they have everybody on injured reserve at the moment. Yeah, they have a lot of LTIR money. I said that. Taze. Doc, Shaw, Nylander are expect. Are, I think, as far as I know, are expected back. Seabrook is retired, so at the end of the year, that will come off, as far as I know. Uh, but I can't see a way to mush this pie uh, into something that makes sense to put to add Eichel to. Mm. I mean, no. are you going to send Strom and Kubalik uh, back the other way? Mm. Because as soon as as soon as uh, Taze comes off injured reserve, Buffalo's going to want Buffalo's going to want Pew Suter. I mean, if you're trading Eichel, Pius Suter, yep, I, I can see sending him back. I mean, that might be the first obviously the obviously the money isn't because he's a, he's last year was entry level, but Pius Suter is young and showing some signs of capability of doing something. Yeah, uh, but I think they're going to want young upcoming prospects. I think they're going to want picks. But you have to get money into the deal as well. So, yeah, it would have to be either Strom or Kualik or or somebody that actually adds dollars to open up space for Eichel to fit onto the roster in Chicago. I don't see a way to make this trade work. No, I don't either. Um, It would be interesting if it could be done, but um, it – no. So – uh, did you get a chance to see the two goals, uh, first goals uh, for Anaheim over the week, uh, Drysdale and Zegers? 
I did not get a chance to see Zegras' first goal. I heard he had scored it, and it was like, oh, you got to be kidding. It, it's it. pretty. Uh, I'm going to tweet Have you out seen Trevor those play? first goals. Um, and I want to compare the two of them because we don't. I watched. I watched Drysdale's goal, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I like that. Okay. Um, and then Zegris's goal. Zegris's goal is the type of thing that ESPN is going to use to make him a household name. And I love it. I love the goal. But for me, as a hockey guy, a guy who lives with hockey deep under the skin, all the way down to the bone, mm-hmm. I think that the I think that the Drysdale goal is just as important. Um. Okay. Since we're going to talk about firsts, I mean, did you see Dan Bladar's first win? Did I did see, see Dan Bladar's first win, did and you he see played really solid, really athletic hockey the whole saves. game. 34 of 35 saves. Uh, potential save of the year candidate. Now, in the, in the last couple of years, we've seen more of these paddle stops than – that I mean, was Tim Thomas did. Tim Thomas had one back in 2011, you know, but it, it was rare then. It, they seem to be happening a little bit more frequently now. As but much his as, was mid, his was mid air. The puck was actually past him when he did it, when he got the stick on it. As much as the, as much as the butterfly purists want to uh, love to hate Tim Thomas. Mm. Tim Thomas might be the reason, the biggest reason that goaltending in the NHL improved in the past decade and a half. We saw him do the, his paddle save in the playoffs. Uh, A few others. Reebok should have been using that in their advertisement. Oh, oh, absolutely. Because it was just using it. It was just so clear. It's like you watch the shot and when it, it, it just Reebok right there in the middle, it was like, okay, that built in advertising. <laughs> so Jamie Drysdale scores yeah. first. He's standing, okay. he's dancing six feet inside the blue line, seven mm-hmm. feet inside the blue line, moving uh, from center, uh, from the center of the ice towards the outside board. And he lets go a wrister. Um, There's a guy who used to play here in Boston for a really long time that would let off shots like this that managed to get into the net on a highly regular basis. This this one will remind you of that. Uh, We don't see a lot of shots getting in from up high. And I think that. I think part of that is the way, you know, teams are defending five guys in a box uh, a lot. Okay. They're all fairly low and there's less shooting lanes. But I think that this that having guys who can legitimately be a threat from there is a way to open up offense again. Okay. Because I think we're seeing it stagnate. I think we're genuinely seeing offense stagnate in the NHL again. I don't know that we're going back to the dead puck error. There's simply 
too much open know. ice. Guys the are too fast. Scored, I don't know. The the way teams are scoring and the fact that Philly was able to score nine. But did they score the nine or did they lose nine nothing? It was a nine nothing game during the week. I want to say it was Philly scored the nine goals and they beat. That sounds like Pittsburgh goaltending. Oh, Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm pretty sure it's Pittsburgh, but yeah, nine to nothing. I mean, hello. Um, But again, look at the other half of that. You're still only at four and a half. Uh, Oh, no, it was the Rangers. Oh, okay. But you're still only at four and a half goals aside higher than a lot of the three, two games and the two, one games that we saw throughout the, or the one zero games we saw throughout the dead puck error. But you're talking about teams that are a playing at a payoff playoff pace and B seeing each other more than teams have since, I don't know, there were 21 teams in the league. Certainly before the Oh five lockout, there's, <clears throat> there's maybe Chara and Miller who are used to seeing and maybe uh, Perry. No, I don't think Perry is quite that old. No, he's not. There's maybe three, four players who are used to seeing any opponent more than five times in the regular season. It's certainly not very many. And there's advantages there. The flyers, <clears throat> even if I don't love their coach. Yeah. And are more we know that team. the, we know that that, that 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 coach is more – he's more manager than coach in, in my eyes. He, he manages the team as opposed – manages players' ice times and things like that. He's – I, I don't – I honestly think he would do better – I honestly think he could do well as a general manager. I just don't really like him as a goal – as a uh, – As a coach. As a coach. Yeah, agreed. Um, and then, then you have Zegras's goal. Mm-hmm. Love, hate, uh, the ducks. If you like hockey, you like competition, you like hand-eye coordination applied to solving problems. You're going <laughs> to love this goal. Like, okay. I will, Drysdale, I not wait to actually go and watch. Walks down Broadway and he's got pure puck control the whole time. Like some guys can dangle the puck They're between the combination of their stick in their hands makes it look like the, like the uh, puck is attached to their stick. Mm-hmm. This looked like he was using telekinesis because he gets in there grabs the puck and when they replay it in slow-mo, it legitimately looks like some other force is controlling the puck. It was a great goal. And we need both of those. The NHL needs both of those to be interesting. If everyone scored from the same spot all the time, it's like NBA free throws. Is there ever been a time when (laughs) someone called you into a room Say, hey, someone's at the power line. Come in and watch. No. 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 And the NHL needs scoring from a variety of places. 
are the guys who can score from other pl- from places that their teammates can't make their teammates and themselves better. What else we got on the board? Uh, well, we've spoken a lot about Matt Dumba in that trade article. So very quickly, I mean, is he injured again? Is that what I'm Matt seeing? Matt Dumba on- went rather roughly into the board's non-contact sort of injury. Like he just sort of lost an edge. Uh, wasn't wasn't um, boarded or charged or anything like that. Um, the only updates from the coach, uh, from the coaching staff or the uh, wild at all are, it's not as bad as it looked because he did need to be helped <laughs> off the ice. That would, that would scare me if the comment was, it's not as bad as it looks. <laughs> uh, well, again, he, he waved over immediately for people to help him off the ice. He was not putting any weight on the injured leg. Uh, I believe okay. it was his right. Uh, as he exited and he was, but you know, the next day he was listed as questionable for Saturday's game. He did not play. Uh, I expect they'll announce his status as day to day or week to week sometime in the next day or so. Okay. But clearly not a season or not expected to be season ending or certainly not career ending. We, well, I, I love this, and yeah, it, if Dumba has to miss significant playing time, the Wild would have to figure out uh, what exactly, figure out his role, how to fill his role. Uh, goes on to mention a couple of names, and then the quote is, "We evaluate and make decisions game by game." Everson said. We will evaluate who's in the lineup, and we will evaluate if we have an opportunity to bring somebody in the taxi squad and minor league. I, That's adorable. It, I mean, it might behoove you to sit down and actually figure it out. If it is going to be significant playing time, you might want to have a plan in place before game time or before the day of the game. Just a thought. I don't know. I, I Sometimes I wonder, do they think before they speak? No. <laughs> Bill Garrett's probably sitting up there going, Dean, shut up. <laughs> Dean, stop talking. <laughs> I I get the impression that Billy probably used a few more expletives than you did. Just I, seems I, to be sort of a memory of his time here in Boston and in the NHL as a whole. I'm betting he was a little bit more expressive than you were. What's the, the, the uh, oh uh, Marcus Foligno apparently is still not available either, and they asked Everson what's the timeline. He said I don't know. He's not with us. He's back home. I honestly haven't talked about him with Worley for a couple of days. Okay, wait, but you're gonna do a day by day? No, just stop D. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Bill used Bill probably used more colorful language. Yeah, I would have to go with that. <laughs> Bill's just sitting there going, stop talking. <laughs> Take the mic away from him. Take the mic away. <laughs> it's not like John Tortorella where, you know, if he doesn't want to talk, he's going to tell you he doesn't want to talk. <laughs> and and speaking of Tortorella, since we um, – apparently they're having issues – he's having issues with trying to find, I don't know, line mates for line A. Um 
he's benched him a couple of times. In fact, in the last benching, it was for like 26, the last 26 minutes of the game. Maybe he just forgot he was on the team. <laughs> that, that that would be John's response. <laughs> John's response typically is, um, oh, wait, I play the guys I want to play. And I play and, and it's, you know, I do what I do. I make decisions on players' ice times and where I put them all the time. Is it a benching? No, I didn't bench anybody last night. I just decided to play some other people in situations late in the third period that I felt more comfortable with at that time. Those are the calls I have to make running the bench. Not a not a benching. It's not a benching. There you go. Clearly, it's not a benching. And I, who am I to argue with John Tortorella? <laughs> Even if it looks like a benching, if it looks like a duck, smells like a duck, quacks like a duck. Clearly, it's a quail. Especially if John's running the bench. Absolutely. I mean, I love John Tortorella. I really do. <laughs> and if he's benching you, there's a good reason for it. Because <laughs> John wants to win. Yes. Although so I have cheers. seen articles, I have seen articles indicating that they think John might actually be trying to get fired. Eh. Uh, those people need to stop writing. And clearly they need to find another path in life because if there is a coach out there who's trying to get fired, they're in the wrong line of work. Look, as coach, any NHL as, coach who wants to get fired without making it grossly obvious could still manage it pretty easily. Like cut Cam Atkinson and uh, Seth Jones ice time to cut Seth Jones ice time to 16 minutes a night for a week. <laughs> that would Hell, be cut it to 18 to, minutes a night for a week. That would be you're going to get fired. To, I was going to say that would be akin to slitting one's throat. <laughs> ah, well, we were looking to save him for the playoff run. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first of all, we need him to get to the playoffs. So you guys think I don't want to play Patty? I mean, I want to play him, Tortorella said, but I still have to make calls as far as how the players are playing at that particular time. <laughs> There's no free passes because you're notably the top gun. I don't look at it that way. I look at what's happening right now as far as in those minutes in the hockey game and go that way. Do I make mistakes? Absolutely. But I'm certainly going to go with my stomach as far as what I feel is best at that particular time for the hockey club. I love John Tortorella. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, so here's the question. Okay. There's this old, old truism. Once is chance, maybe. Twice is coincidence. Three times conspiracy. I think that sometimes that timeline can be shortened a little bit. Yeah, sure. So last year, Steven Stamkos missed pretty much the entire season and is somehow healthy for the playoffs, sort of, kind of, a little bit. Well, he popped back into a game and in three minutes managed to score a goal. But but that was all he played. He played like he got his goal and that was it. 
Yep. Like he didn't touch the ice again. Did anybody stop and check to see if he had like some sort of bonus? If he scored a goal in the playoffs, he got a bonus. <laughs> uh, um, in the recent weeks, we've heard that uh, another Tampa Bay Lightning player who is missing the entire season is expected to be healthy in time for the playoffs. Really? Yes. Yes. Kucherov, who's out for the season, you know, he's not going to play. He's this is all I heard at the beginning was not going to play. All we heard. No Kucherov this season. What are they going to do? No Kucherov. Oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. And now he's going to be able to play in the playoffs. Play in the playoffs. No way. Something doesn't sound, you know. Something doesn't smell right in Denmark. So here's the thing. Yeah. With Kucherov back in the saddle for the playoffs. Yes. Um, is it just barely possible that he probably, if he's going to be healthy to play in the first round, is it just barely possible that he's probably actually going to be healthy a little tiny bit sooner than that? And that holding him out of the games might be more um, financially beneficial to the roster than uh, than not. Because it would be a weird coincidence for that to happen like two years in a row on a team with a ridiculously high cap number. I mean, really mm-hmm. weird coincidence. I'm looking at it and their cap hit is, oh, <clears throat> Ninety-eight million eight hundred thousand. All today. Of their cap hit is all of it. Yes, that's kind of, and yet somehow, okay. So they bring him back just in time for the playoffs. When does his money start affecting the cap? Because right now he's on long-term IR, which yeah, means that that's the weird thing that is purely coincidental. Oh, okay. Like, Half time doesn't affect the salary cap. Oh, yeah. What now a, I see what you're going with this. Yeah, I mean, eleven point seven percent of your cap not used during the regular season suddenly becomes available when the postseason starts. Just as ten point four percent was unavailable last season. And suddenly became available when the playoffs started. So I, are we finding ways to circumvent the cap? No. Who could possibly think such a thing? Julian Brisebois, who's running the team? No, 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 no. This is a purely medical decision. Oh, okay. Two years in a row of what's best for the players. Two years in purely a row. Purely medical of what's best for the players. Purely medical. Two years in a row. There you said it. Not me. Um, and I agree with you. I mean, there's no way that for mere financial gain, any team would get away with shenan- – would even attempt shenanigans like that. Just not possible. Well, wouldn't the wouldn't the – League offices and Gary Bettman want to, I don't know, 
check into it if it really were, you know, foul play. And they haven't done anything about it. Well, one, it hasn't happened yet. And two, from, as I said, as you said, as you said, because this is purely medical and for the player's benefit. How do you prove it's not? Well, clearly, you know, after it happened last year and, and appears to be happening again this year, clearly it's a, it, there's medical things going on. And obviously it has nothing to do with the money involved. No. Except for the fact that, I don't know, the two players involved are the two highest paid players on the team. And arguably two of the top eight offensive players on the entire planet. Yeah, it's absolutely, yeah, it's completely innocuous. This is, yeah, what I'm, what I would, what I was thinking is obviously I was wrong. Okay, clearly. See, uh, innocuous is exactly the first word that came to mind when I saw this. (laughs) How many people right now are running for dictionaries? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so there's just a couple more things we want to cover really, really quick. So, so we're very, just throwing this out there and not responding to it. Do you not believe that there's any kind of tomfoolery in a? Of course not. This okay. is, as you said, purely for the medical benefit of the players. Okay. Anyone who thinks that I mean anything else, you are deeply offending me, and I, I will be wounded to the core of my being. But they both magically suddenly were well enough to play when the playoffs. Okay, it hasn't happened this season yet. You're right. But if they're talking that he could potentially be ready for the playoffs, well. Magically. Yeah. and, and Magically. Wait. Magically. Well, somewhere in Florida, in St. Augustine, there is the, the, the fountain of youth. Um Maybe it so, works. Maybe they maybe. found it. I don't know. It, I need to go visit it. Yeah, you and me both. So, really, really quick. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> and we're going to toss this up as a poll for the week and bring it back next week. Score. Blue Seat Blogs. Oh, goodness. They say Adam Fox deserves to be in the Norris conversation. Adam Fox deserves to be in the conversation for best defenseman in the NHL. I will have a poll up when we, before the show hits. So hit me, hit my Twitter feed. Um, It'll be pinned there. Wait, in the, in the interest of, of, you know, playing um, whatever that role is, you and I are having what would be known as a discussion right now. Correct. Mm, I think we should discuss it after we see the poll results. Okay, no, 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 but I'm just saying, you and I, right now, we are having a discussion. We we talk to each other, we're having a discussion. That's the theory, yes. And in that conversation, that discussion, the idea of Adam Fox and Norris has come up. Therefore, he is officially in the discussion. I, that doesn't mean that we too. think he should get it. That doesn't mean we think he should I like Adam Fox a lot. <laughs> so... Next week, bring your argument. I'll bring my argument. And want, wait, maybe we'll talk about actually, a couple of other candidates. 
You actually want me to bring an argument as to why Adam Fox should win the Norris? Should or shouldn't, whichever it is you think. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> or actually be a finalist. We'll we'll just call it a finalist. Uh, so, I don't know that I like any of their choices. Well, I, actually, I like all but one of their choices. <laughs> um, and here's another question that we could probably do half a show on, but I don't uh, think it's actually necessary. Uh, Is yeah. there a superstar or generational talent in the current year's rookie class? Uh, I have to actually stop and look at this current year's rookie class to have a more informed opinion on that topic. But it's a good question because I, I the last generational talent probably was McSavier. I don't I, I certainly not Capo Caco, certainly not Alex Lafreniere, at least not what I've seen him in well, currently. Did, did McDavid and Austin Matthews come in and uh, start the same season? I think they did. So that draft probably had two. Did they come in the same season? No. Maybe they were a season apart. I'm no. McDavid my and Eichel is... came together. Okay, that's right. It was Austin Matthews was the year before. He was the number one overall. Austin Matthews, like... Patrick Laine, Pierre Luc Dubois, uh, Jesse Pugliarvi, Oli Yoli Yulevi. Doesn't matter. He's played 15 games. There you go. <laughs> uh, Matthew Kachuk, Clayton Keller, Alexander Nylander, Mikhail Sergachev, and Tyson Jost, top 10 in that 2016 draft. Oh, you're ta- oh, we're talking about this. Oh, okay. I thought you meant in the upcoming draft. You, you no, meant no, no. Last right now, draft. the guys playing their first season in the NHL. All right. So is there, well, okay. Is there a generational talent? This might have to be. Is there a generational talent? Mm. And while I clearly just said Lafreniere is not, I actually would like to see, and I'm glad that the Kings are actually holding him back for a year, but I'd love to see what Quentin Byfield does. I mean, the kid looked like fabulous before he got here, but. Generational talent in the 2015 draft, there's probably two, and there might be as many as four. Really? Because you've got McDavid, Eichel, Marner, um, and you've also got Hannafin and Wierenski. Uh, All in the top eight. Do we need to, and and this is just a Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You've also got uh, down at 18, you've got Shabbat. Do we need to identify or define what you mean by generational talent? <sighs> generational talent, um, I guess if 35 guys retire from that draft class all in the okay. same year, is this guy appearing on everyone's ballot? Everyone's Hall of Fame ballot. Okay, so we do have, and I I forget what year he was picked. Forgive me, please, hockey gods. But obviously the Hall of Famer here in Boston would be considered then a generational talent. Would he? Am I? 
I tried to do that with a straight face. It didn't work. <laughs> um, I mean, I tried. I did. I tried. The answer is no. <laughs> um, Stop. The answer is no. <laughs> I'm trying to remember who else was drafted that year. And, uh, oh, he was the 16 draft. He was, he was well. 14th overall. The answer is no. Okay. So, <laughs> a superstar. Is this person likely to get, in a 10-year career, three all-star spots as the actual first pick for from their hockey market? Wow, yeah. See, these are some tough... I don't know that we have one this year. I, I, we're going to discuss this for next week? Um, we could discuss it next week. Um, I have the list uh, up. There's probably a goaltender or two that we could talk about in there, too. Um, yes, like goaltenders. But I do, I mean, I don't know if Zegris is actually going to get in enough games to actually use his rookie, um, use up his rookie year. He might actually sneak in uh, next year under the game cap as a rookie. Charlie McAvoy is 11th on the list in the 16 draft for games played. Uh, well, no, uh, he's got, let's see, Trevor Segris has played 12 games, five points in that is time. Is he going to make it, though? I don't know. Is it, is it number of games or is it a percentage? Because this year, obviously, it's, no, it, are. it's it's always been number of games. It's been 25 because even if you play them across three seasons, um. So if he plays, if he if he plays twelve games this year, that's what he's at now. Right. If he doesn't play another game next season, he'd still be considered a rookie. Absolutely. If he plays even another plays twelve games, even if he plays twenty four games. But then next year, well, he he's probably not because the Ducks have twenty. My point is, is it cumulative? What I'm trying to figure out is, is, it, is it cumulative? If he plays 12 games this year, doesn't play again, he's still got he's it's, still considered a rookie next you season. You have to have under 25 games played or be under the age of 26 at the start of the season. Okay. So there is some way, there is not a way that he could be considered quote unquote a rookie for the rest of his career. No. You can't okay. play him 12 12 games a season for 12 for 15 years. Okay. <laughs> we were saving him for the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. I uh, just I yeah I know oh look Luke Cunning was in this draft 2016 draft Adam Fox Dylan Dubé wow Dylan that was Gambrell. a better draft than Dylan Gambrell's in this draft Carter Hart Ryan Lindgren to Boston Tage Thompson these Everybody. are all names that are coming out now Frederick 29th overall no wait yeah 29th overall Trent Frederick. This is actually an interesting draft. We should take a look at this. Julian Gauthier, the kid that I wanted the Bruins to draft. Yes, we should take a look at the 16 draft and maybe like the 14 draft over the uh, offseason. Yeah, sure. There's some interesting names on this list. Uh, I don't think we're I don't think I'm up for a full redraft at this point, but uh, no, I'm not ready to redraft it. But the 2003 just, redraft was exhausting enough. I'm still tired. <laughs> 
I mean, there, there, there's not a huge number of players that have played at least one game in this draft. But And so, as I said, next week I will have the – or by the time you hear this show, I will have the poll up. Uh, I will also retweet uh, the Drysdale and Zegris goals. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me at PuckSage on Twitter. You can find me at The Off Wing on Twitter. And you can find our show right back here next week. Ladies and gentlemen, take care. Thank you for listening. Uh, And uh, drop us a tweet with your ideas, information, replies. We want to hear it.